Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. Call InventHelp today for free information. InventHelp can submit your invention to companies who are interested in receiving new ideas. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-3719. That's 1-800-352-3719. This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I'm your host, Vincent Hill, of course, coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia, as I do each and every Tuesday, 8 p.m., right here on RadioInfluence.com. Today is Tuesday, November the 1st, 2016, and if you're a U.S. citizen and you haven't been living under a rock and you've been watching the news, that means you only have seven days to go out and cast your vote. Now, I've heard a lot of commercials on the radio. I've seen a lot of ads on TV. I've heard commercials on the radio, black votes matter, this vote matters. The real point is every vote in this country matters, no matter who you are voting for, what your beliefs are. Don't come back after November the 8th and saying, oh, the person I wanted to win did not win, whether it's presidential, whether it's city council, whether it's mayor, whatever the elections are, don't come back on November the 9th saying this person didn't win if you did not cast your vote. So, black votes matter, white votes matter, Chinese votes matter, Hispanic votes matter. Every vote in this country matters. If you want change, what you perceive as change, then you need to go out and vote. So, I hope everyone had a safe Halloween. I know there's been this issue of these daggone clowns running around here scaring people. I hope that didn't happen to anybody listening to the show tonight. I know this this clown thing is kind of crazy, kind of scary. Uh, truth be told, if one of them approaches me with something that I take as being threatening, believe you me, it's not going to end well for them. That's all I'm saying. But... You know, besides that, yesterday, of course, was Halloween. It was also a very special day for me. My daughter turned 21 yesterday on Halloween. 21 years ago, I had my very first child. I only have two, but I had my very first. And yesterday was a a special day. And anyone that has a 21-year-old, especially any man that has a 21-year-old daughter, you know, it's it's special, but it's, it's scary at the same time because you know there's this big world out there waiting for her and you want to give her the opportunity to be an adult, but the dad in you still wants to be protective. So I'm at that crossroad where I know she's an adult. I know she's going to make her own decisions. I know I have to stay out of the way, but... She is my firstborn, and she will always be my baby. But I want to wish her on this platform a very happy birthday. Happy 21st birthday. 
Alexia Hill. So I want to start the show a little different. I, I went to Twitter uh, this past week and I told people, tweet me your questions for Beyond the Badge and I will answer them on the air. And I want to focus on two questions I actually got from the same person, Don Smith in Powder Springs, Georgia. I want to send a shout out to her, as the young folks say. Uh, and her first question was, what advice can you give to families who are raising young black boys on how to deal with police? Well, Don Smith in Powder Springs, I will say like I've always said on this show, the one word that makes sure you stay safe, make sure you don't get hurt, make sure police don't get hurt, is compliance. Now, part of the biggest problem, especially in the black community, and let's face it, it's reality, is no one wants someone telling them what to do, right? So if an officer says, oh, let me see your license. I don't have to see, you don't have to see my license. Step out of the car. Oh, I don't have to step out of the car. That's how a lot of this stuff starts. You can go back through any case that has been in the mainstream media for the last three, four, five years, and they've never started with, hey, sir, my name is Officer Vincent Hill, and the reason I stopped you was, or hey, sir, I'm here to talk to you about this. All of those situations escalated because there was not compliance to verbal commands, physical commands, or whatever. There was not compliance. So first, I would say, and not only for the black community, but since you want it specifically for the black community, I will focus on that. First, I will teach compliance, respect, and obeying the laws. Because again, I've always said, color does not bring police, crime does, right? That's a simple demographic fact. Crime is what brings police. So it goes outside of just teaching young black boys how to deal with police. It goes further into reducing crime in the black neighborhoods. Because I've been in those black neighborhoods where crime is the highest. I wasn't there focused on wanting to go after little black boys. I was there because I was called there. So I think to answer that question globally, what you have to do is reduce crime in the black communities. We have to reduce the shootings in the black communities, the robberies, the homicides. The gang violence, all of this has to be focused on before we can really focus on how to deal with police, because that part is simple. A, don't do crime. B, comply. C, respect the authority. But it goes back to the black community again, because I've seen it. I'm not speaking on something I don't know. At a very early age, black communities are teaching their children not to respect police, not to like police, to be scared of police. These are all things I've personally heard as an officer, but not only as an officer, but as a black man in the black community. Oh, don't trust him. He's the police. He's only going to throw you in jail. Well, the little kid didn't do anything to be thrown in jail, but he's already being told at a very early age, don't trust police. He's only here to throw you in jail. Right? 
Don't trust this guy. He's here to lie to you. Don't trust this guy because if you say something wrong, this is going to happen. So, to effectively deal with police, we have to start at a very young age teaching all of those things. Don't do crime. Respect authority. Police are not here just to arrest in the crack skulls as people believe. Police are here to protect and serve you, little Billy. They're here to make sure that big Billy, who is wanting to sell drugs to you, doesn't get a chance to sell drugs to you. They're not here just because big Billy happens to be a black guy with dreads. They're here because big Billy is selling you, little Billy, drugs or trying to get you, little Billy, into selling drugs or into gang activity. That's what police are there to do. So that's how we deal with telling little black boys how to interact with police. And as parents, as parents, you fail your child. You fail your child if you are not teaching them the basics, compliance, respect, yes sir, no sir. When you support your child of, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do this, I, I know my rights. Well, yes, sir, you do have to show me your driver's license. And if you don't, I'm going to use a police term. I'm going to yank you out the vent window. Yeah, you do have to show me your proof of insurance because you're driving on a public street. If you're not teaching those basics, you have failed your child. If you are acting like that in front of your child, you have failed your child. So what do you think they're going to do? It's that whole self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Well, I saw mom or I saw dad do it. I mean, it, it's like the, 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 the girl, I can't remember where she was, but she basically put her child in harm's way. She is, I believe she got shot and killed by police now, but a week before that, she's clearly breaking the law and she grabs her son, puts him in the front seat, well, if they try to get me out the car, I want you to fight them. I want you to fight them because they're bad people and they'll have to kill me before I get out of this car. They'll have to do all of this. They'll have to do this. So now this little kid is without his mom. I believe when the police came to her house to serve the warrant, I believe the child got shot as well. The child did not die, but she put him in harm's way because it's on body cam. Hey, go stand right here. Hey, don't let them get down this hallway. So... Was she properly teaching her little black boy how to deal with police? Absolutely not. So I blame her for his mentality going forward. From this day forward, I blame her from, for how he deals with and inter interacts with police. Because what did he see? His mom gets pulled over. She doesn't need a license plate, according to her, because she doesn't follow the laws of this country and all this other stuff. Well, you're driving in this country, so therefore you follow the laws of this country. She doesn't have to do this. She doesn't have to do this. She doesn't have to get out of the car. If they try to take me out of the car, I want you to fight them. This little kid's like four or five. I want you to fight the police. I want you to bite them. I want you to scratch them. I want you to kick them. They're going to have to kill me. So what do you think now this little kid is thinking about police for the rest of his life? Oh, they're bad. They shot my mom. Oh, they pulled her out the car that time. 
They yanked her out the vent window that time. They did all of this to my innocent mom because his mom was saying what she was doing was right and what the police, the racist police is what she called them, what they were doing was wrong. But no, in reality, what she was doing was wrong. And now we have another little child in the black community that does not trust police. The self-fulfilling prophecy. The self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, my mom didn't like police. My dad didn't like police. My mom told me to fight them. My dad went to jail one time, even though he was selling drugs, or even though he robbed someone, or even though he raped someone. But it's not their fault. It's the police's fault. So, teach your children, black, white, Chinese, Japanese, alienese, I really don't care. Teach your children compliance, respect authority, and don't break the law. Now, Don's second, second question was about community policing. What is it and how is it done? Well, this term is so misconstrued, misunderstood. Uh, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's the D.A.R.E. program or it's the Safe Streets program or it's this. And I mean, that kind of encompasses community policing, but it's not by definition community policing. Basically, the, the key word in the definition of community policing is partnership. And that partnership, of course, between police and communities. And during that partner partnership, the main focus are public safety issues, such as crime, social disorder, and the fear of crime. So, community policing. Now, a lot of people, they see police out in the community, riding bikes, walking the beat. They still do that here and there in a lot of cities. And they get confused that, oh, well, they're here. They're just here to harass people. They're just walking around. They're riding their bikes through. Well, no, part of that partnership, they focus on issues about public safety, right? So part of the partnership is to stop crime before it happens. So what better way to do that than to have officers in the community? And not only having officers in the community, but those officers talking to individuals about, hey, what's going on here? Oh, well, Miss Johnson's house got broken into, and we believe that the person is still out here. Oh, well, let's start some extra patrols around the neighborhood to see if we can catch this suspect. Oh, hey, Miss Citizen, what's going on? Well, there was a rash of car break-ins last night, and the guy's still out there, but he only focuses on Johnson Street between 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock. Okay, Miss Citizen, I appreciate that information. What we're going to do is we're going to send some extra patrols, some officers in the area to watch out for said suspect to make sure if he does attempt this, we can arrest him. We can protect and serve. We can make sure justice is served for the other victims that he's already 
gotten, that is the basis of community policing. For example, let me read this. To proactively address the immediate conditions that give rise to public safety issues, right? So, rather than responding to crime only after it occurs, community policing encourages agencies to work proactively, develop solutions to the immediate underlining condition contributing to public safety problems. Rather than addressing root causes, police and their partners, remember I use the word partnership, should focus on factors that are within their reach, such as limiting criminal opportunities and access to victims, increasing guardianship, and associating risk with unwanted behavior. So, like I said, oh, Mr. Police Officer, there's been a rash of break-ins, and it happened on this street, and it happened at these times. Oh, well, let's be proactive, and let's go out and develop strategy to catch this bad guy so you can limit criminal opportunities and access to victims. Pretty cut and dry, right? And does community policing work? Absolutely it works. I mean, I can't think of too many times where during roll call, when I was in patrol, that there wasn't something going out about an extra patrol or something going on in someone's neighborhood reported by someone that they wanted us to be aware of so we can proactively go out and find it. Yeah, absolutely it works. But for the people that don't understand the concept or, again, just think that police are in certain areas just to harass, they have no idea, A, that it's actually community policing, and B, that it actually works. So some of those same people that might be complaining may be potential victims. And it may be that the police, because this is what they do, here's a shocker, are out to protect and serve everyone. So community policing is a partnership between police, individuals. It can be organizations such as churches, such as businesses in the community. It's partnership, being proactive, going out, trying to reduce crime, trying to reduce issues that happen in the community that police end up dealing with. That is community policing. Now, let me switch gears and talk about going above and beyond, right? Now, I, I come on every week and I talk about how brave men and women risk their lives to protect and serve the communities, even when those communities hate them, they call them names, they don't want them there, right? I talk about it every week. But they still do what they're supposed to do, meaning police, right? Because that's what we do, right? But I want to talk about going above and beyond. And I, I read a story on policeone.com, and it's a it's about a Phoenix police officer, uh, and he's white. So get ready for this. About a Phoenix police officer who, for the last uh, few years, I believe, has been actually collecting shoes and giving them to the homeless. Now, let me say that again. He hasn't been accused of being racist. He hasn't been 
accused of being brutal and abusing his power and just going into the black community like we've been hearing for the last few years and, you know, just causing havoc in the black community. He's been giving shoes away to the homeless for a while. And I want to honor this Phoenix police officer right now. His name is Mark Figueroa. I don't know him. He doesn't know me. But what I do know is that is a man with a big heart because not only is he going out and doing what the job description says he must do, protect, serve, you know, make sure the laws are being followed and all that good stuff that police swear to do out of the kindness of his heart. He is taking it upon himself to go out and make sure that the homeless people in his community at least have shoes on their feet. Now, I kind of feel bad because I used to go out and give blankets out and give food away to the homeless on my own, not through a, 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 uh, a shelter or whatever. I used to do that on my own, and I've given shoes away. And, Mark, you're kind of making me look bad, brother, because I haven't done it in a while. I guess I could use the, the old excuse, I've been too busy. But I want to take this opportunity right now to thank Mark Figueroa, Phoenix Police Department for what he's doing there to the homeless and the homeless community. That is an awesome job. Unfortunately, that's not something we will ever hear President Obama speak about, Hillary Clinton speak about, Al Sharpton, the Department of Justice, the Black Lives Matter movement. We won't hear them praising this white officer for doing amazing things in the community. So I know this isn't mainstream media. I may have you know, 12,000, 13,000 listeners. I don't have the 13 million, but anyone under the sound of my voice, I want to personally thank Officer Mark Figueroa, Phoenix to Police, Police Department, for everything he is doing in the community. That is an awesome, awesome, awesome job. What, that, that one's not, not good enough for you? Well, I got another one. Troy, Ohio, this happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there was a, a guy, uh, Mark Roth, who is a black male, who had a warrant for his arrest. He had gotten news that his sister was killed in a car crash. Uh, she lived in Detroit. So Mr. Roth had no car, convinced a friend, yeah, I'll take you. So, of course, three in the morning, they jump in the car. They're speeding, they're speeding, they're speeding. They get to Ohio, Troy, Ohio. I believe he was from Indiana. Uh, and, of course, they get pulled over at 3 in the morning by this big, burly, white officer, right? So he's got a warrant. His friend doesn't have a driver's license. It's suspended. So according to the administration and according to the BLM and according to the Department of Justice, you know, this big, burly white officer was definitely going to arrest them and use force against them and all of this other stuff, right? Well, wrong, because Trooper Davis ended up taking the driver into custody and having the car towed, which he was supposed to do because he didn't have a license, right? But here's what happened. Trooper Davis, his sergeant, came out. Sergeant 
Sergeant David Robinson arrived and he saw Mr. Ross crying, knew his tears were sincere, and instead of locking him up for that warrant, guess what he did? He reached over, began praying for him and his family, and he offered to drive him the hundred miles to Detroit, Michigan. Guess what he did? He drove Mr. Ross, this black guy, a hundred miles to Detroit, Michigan, dropped him off at a coffee shop where he could meet his cousin so he can go see his sister who had just passed away. Imagine that. You mean to tell me that there are white officers in this society who come across black guys who even have warrants but don't take them to jail don't yank them out of the car don't beat them down don't do a Freddie Gray and all of this other stuff that we've been hearing for the last eight years that can't be possible right because Everyone's been telling us that this doesn't happen, right? That there are no good cops, especially white ones. They're all bad, especially when they're dealing with blacks, right? Now, this officer easily, easily could have just been, well, I don't care if your sister just passed, nor do I believe you. I'm going to take you to jail because you have this warrant. And since the warrant's out of state, you're going to have to sit in my jail for 10 days. So you're going to miss the funeral. You're going to miss this. I really don't care. But what did this sergeant do? He began to pray for this young man, Mr. Ross. He didn't know him from Adam, nor did he care. He had compassion in his heart to say, this man just lost his sister, and I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure he gets there, he can see his family, he can be with his family, which is the most important thing to do, right? When you have lost a loved one, you want to be there with your family. So hats off to uh, Sergeant... David Robinson, Ohio State Police, and of course, Phoenix Police Officer Mark Figueroa. You guys make me proud. You guys are an exceptional example of what wearing that uniform actually means, contrary, contrary to what we've been told for the last few years. So I thought it only fitting to tell those few stories because when I started the show and I answered Don Smith's questions about what should a black family tell a black boy uh, raising a black boy how to deal with police and I mentioned you know the basics compliance respect authority don't break the law but I also mentioned don't teach them to fear the police don't teach them that the police are bad and they're just here to arrest people because Mark Figueroa just proved different this state trooper who drove this young man a hundred miles just prove the exact opposite of what we've been told for the last few years right that police are just these bad people and remember like I said I heard all of these things when I was in patrol that don't trust him he's bad don't trust him he's gonna send you to jail don't trust him he's gonna hit you don't trust him because of this right but what people don't realize is Outside of protecting and serving, it takes a very special person to be a police officer. And 
the majority, 99%, 99 99.9% of the officers I know have that kind of mentality that they would give you the shirt off their back, that they would give you their shoes if they had to, that they would go out and buy you groceries because yours have been stolen, that they would drive you to meet your family. All of these things that no one seems to hear about, that is the reality of policing. That is the reality of community policing, so to speak, right? Taking care of your community and those in it. And by those actions of the officers I named tonight, I can't see any other perfect example of what I've talked about, what I led the show in with tonight. All right, now it's the, the sad, sad part of the show, and I I really hate doing this, and there's so many names since we've talked last that can be added to roll call, and trust me, eventually they will, but tonight I want to focus on Police Officer James Brockmeyer, Chester Police Department, Illinois, killed this past Friday, October 28th, 2016. And the reason I focus on this is the way he died, when I look back and I reflect on my career, and I look how many pursuits I had been in, chasing stolen cars, chasing dope dealers, chasing kidnappers, chasing robbers in pursuits, I understand the concept of getting so focused that you get tunnel vision and knowing that in a split second you make the wrong turn, you can be dead. If someone's not watching and paying attention, they can T-bone you while you're going through an intersection and you can be dead. And I reflect to this day, every time I see blue lights going down the highway at 100 miles an hour, I reflect back and say, man, at any given moment, that could have been me. Uh, but Officer James Brockmeyer was killed again this past Friday, October 28th. He was chasing a vehicle. Uh, he lost control. His vehicle then overturned and he was trapped inside the wreckage. And unfortunately, he died as a result of his, of his injuries. And he only served with the Chester Police Department for a total of 10 months. So I assume looking at his picture, this, well, yeah, he was 22 years old uh, based on Officer Down Memorial page. So he was a kid, and I can use the, the term kid because here I am, 43, and, you know, what he died doing, I did that 10, 11 years ago. And, again, I reflect back that it could have been me at any given moment. Uh, he's survived by his parents and his sister, so now we have a family that will never see their loved one again because of some idiot that wanted to flee from police for whatever reason, who is still at large, who I'm sure <laughs> Chester Police Department will catch you because you can't outrun the radio. There's that old police saying, and I'm sure this young rookie officer did what he's supposed to do during a pursuit, give out vehicle description, give out license plate, give out direction of flight. So it's only a matter of time, sir or ma'am or whoever you are, that Chester police catch you and they charge you in this officer's death because your actions led to his crash 
which led to his death. So I want to pay homage. I want to send Godspeed to this officer, Officer James Brockmeyer. I want to send my prayers and condolences to his mother, his father, and his sister. I want to thank him for paying the ultimate sacrifice, protecting and serving the citizens of Chester, Illinois. Thank you for your service. I'm out of time. I want to thank you for listening. Again, follow me on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. Tweet me your questions. Tweet me your response to tonight's show. Tweet me anything, and I will address it on upcoming shows. I want to thank my friends over at InventHelp for sponsoring this show. Hey, if you have an idea, go to InventHelp. I'm out of here. Thanks for listening, and good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. Radio Influence brings you the best in digital media broadcasting. When it comes to sports, we've got experts like national sports radio host Rich Herrera, the fabulous sports babe, and former Major League Baseball manager Kevin Kennedy. Want a good laugh? Then go on the beach with Pants and Roller Girl. Get Duffified live with Chef Brian Duffy or just LOL with Nancy Alexander. And when it comes to real life, Dangerous Conversation with Scott Ledger and Beyond the Badge with Vincent Hill will make you think when it comes to what you want radio influence has you covered find our programming on itunes stitcher tune in radio and radioinfluence.com